Walter Balbin, the Tivata Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition, this special Sunday night edition of Fangraphs Audio, is the managing editor of Fangraphs, making his weekly appearance, except on a Sunday, his weekly appearance, Dave Cameron. The conversation that followed was actually recorded at Dave Cameron's house in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where, for whatever reason, I was invited as a house guest uh, for the past weekend. Since I happened to be there, uh, Cameron and I decided to record his weekly Monday appearance on a Saturday instead, and then publish it Sunday night. What is it? It is a preview of the season, preview of the 2014 season, in which, if nothing else, we review Dave Cameron's predictions uh, for the various division winners, wildcard qualifiers, and also end-of-season award winners uh, for the 2014 season. During the course of this edition of the podcast, I asked Cameron, I said, is there anything worse for you than recording the, the podcast on a weekly basis? And here's how he answered. Basically, death. Spangraft Audio. It features managing editor Dave Cameron, and it begins right now. It looks like there's a sound boost when I talk. Yeah. Are you audio technician? I mean, I've seen TV shows where they <laughs> they have sound waves on the screen. Yeah, there we go. Look at that. This feels official, doesn't it? This does feel official. How are you doing there, Dave Cameron? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm at Dave Cameron's house. I was at. In fact, we've. Already, I just uh, published tonight. This is Saturday night before the season starts. I published a, a conversation just tonight with Nathaniel Stoltz that was recorded at this very table. That's right. Nathaniel Stoltz, prospect writer. For Rotographs? Yes. Fangraphs. And Fangraphs. Yeah. Main page, yeah. yeah. Right. Delightful young man. Yeah. Representing uh, the 27104. <laughs> is that like, the... That's the zip code. I don't know. The, the, representing the 336. Is he... Uh, yeah, right. Both. Is he... Um, well, how, how wide does 336 go? Is that pretty... Yeah, it's basically all of Winston-Salem and Greensboro. We uh, only have like one area code for this whole area because there's not that many people. Um... Yes, well, you've been, uh, you and in particular your wife have been gracious hosts. Yeah, more my wife. Yeah, for yeah, me right. as I've been here. In we have given time. you some pretty delicious food. Uh, very delicious. Right. And you made uh, you made a fantastic burger. I, I made uh, a, a, a solid burger. Yeah. A bison burger. A bison burger. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, it's very yeah. good. And we've had some uh, soul food. We have had some serious comfort food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, so there it is. That's I think that's all. So you you've suggested maybe we do a preview of the season. I would think that since you know the season starts on Monday, maybe maybe we should talk about it. Okay, yeah. I think that's not a terrible idea. No, it's smart. Well, all right, we'll get to that in a second. Briefly, we should probably address Miguel Cabrera and Mike Trout. Sure, they've been they've done some things. They've been what one and two the last two years in terms of AL MVP voting. Correct. Probably, uh, I think we could say the best offensive players in the American League. Yeah, probably the best players in the American probably League. Probably the best players in the yeah. American League. Yeah. And uh, one of them, Miguel Cabrera, uh, signed, a, signed a contract that is probably re- you, you regard it as, at least if we're looking at it from a dollars per war perspective, would be uh, quite high relative to the market. Yeah. I, I mean, even not from a dollars per war perspective, I think this deal is an a mistake for the Tiger organization. Long term, this deal will be regrettable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it will be seen as the Alex Rodriguez contract is with the Yankees or the Ryan Howard contract with the Phillies or the Albert Pujols contract with the Angels. I think history has shown that these types of players do not age particularly well into their late 30s. 
Um, and Miguel Cabrera, uh, they already had him under control through his age 32 season. So right. they bought 33 through 40. Uh, not, not a time of, uh, expected surplus value, especially if you pay $250 million for the years. Right. And, but as you noted, if, if, if we're to at least understand the contract, if not necessarily, um, uh, not, I, I, I don't want to say approve it. What were you saying? Agree with it. Yeah, agree with it or, you know, recognize it as a smart move. Right. That, um, you, you did, you did a little bit of work to, to this effect, which was that of what, like, was it 20 contracts? 20 contracts signed for greater than 50? Uh, 30, 30 contracts. 30 contracts. Yeah, signed and, for more than $50 million as free agents. Right. And only one of those was a player who was re-signing with a team who forego re-signing with that team right. as an extension. Some people took some issue with the fact that I didn't include Audible Sanchez and Matt Holiday as guys who re-signed because they re-signed with their team that they were with when free agency started, but they were mid-season trades. Like the, the Rockies decided not to extend Matt Holiday right. and the Marlins decided not to extend Audible Sanchez. So I, to me, those are not you know, I passed up an extension and then I resigned with the free agency. Jeter's the only one of those where we can see the team said, we have you, we want to keep you, we're not going to sign you before you get to free agency, and then he gets to free agency, they still keep him. Right, okay, right. Um, and so that contract has happened. The other one is the Mike Trout deal. And, of course, uh, Mike Trout and Miguel Cabrera themselves, or at least their performances as major leaguers, have been a source of some uh, polarity among the way people think about baseball, have created a, or have sort of represented ways people think about baseball. Yeah. Still both very good, obviously. Um, but they're sort of uh, in the thick of it again, right? I mean, actually, I will say, as someone who was on the front lines for that, uh, I saw I was here when the Miguel Cabrera news was announced, and you had to write the um, you had to write that up, and then you stay up to like 3 a.m. And then you, but you assured your wife the next day, said there's no way I'm going to have to stay up again, especially on a Friday night, unless a um, a major star signs a, a large extension. Right, and, and that Trout did, and then Trout did, right, yeah. and it was right. uh, what six years. 145 million. Six years, 145 million. Yeah. Um, and, uh, he was, let's see, he's already played two seasons. Two, two full seasons. Two full seasons. Yeah. And so he was going to start arbitration after this coming season. After this, right. this was his final pre-arb year. Right, final pre-arb year. And what is this, I mean, you've mentioned before, and then we talked about this last time, that a lot of times the free agent years, that a team might buy out ahead of time are informed by the sort of money that that same player will be receiving in his arbitration years. Um, or something that effect. Are the arbitration years affect those sort of extensions to a great deal? Yeah. If you're uh, in a position like uh, Trout where you have some significant expected value in arbitration, you're not going to sign as cheaply as a guy like Starling Marte, for instance, who signed for $30 million the other day, uh, who – while an excellent player coming off a very good year is not going to get the he's not going to get 15 million in arbitration the first round through like Trout was he was probably going to get like four million so his uh, expected value during his three years of arbitration was probably closer to 20 or 25 million where Trout's was 50 or 60 million and so the difference in short term expected value really can have a significant impact on. Uh, the player's willingness to go to arbitration, first of all, and how many years of free agency or t- years of team control he will sell in order to get those arbitration years guaranteed. Right. Now, you made a point. So if you were to estimate in three years of arbitration, what did you say, 50, 60? 50 to 60 for Trout, yeah. And is that like a 
what is it usually? 40? 40, 60, 80 is kind of the rule. There's some thought that superstars get a little less than that. Mm-hmm. They, the arbiters are less likely to, uh, give 80% of full market value for a superstar in annual average value because I think what we see is these superstar contracts, their annual average values aren't all that much higher than just a good player. It's the length of the deal right, is right. really where the inflation is. And so the arbiters don't give 80% of your full value. Right. Uh, it's something less than that necessarily. Um, but in Trout's case, I think we're probably looking at something like $15 million his first year. Uh, this is all like, assuming he stays healthy and plays fairly well. It doesn't have to be as what he was the last couple of years, but he plays well. Right. Probably $15 million his first year, maybe 20 and then 25 it could be more like 13, 21, 28, depending on what size raises you think he should get and, you know, where he's going to fall along the first year. I mean, the record for the first year ever is 10 million. So he, he would blow that away with 15, maybe. And that was, it was Ryan Howard. Ryan Howard. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Howard, who, uh, not as good as Trout, but had hardware. He had the MVP award and the rookie of the year award and, um, and he had he had had a crazy season. He hit right? 51 home runs, I think, the year before. He batted over 300. Yeah, I mean, he was he was a very good power hitter uh, right. for those for those first few years. Yeah. Um, and so Howard, I think, over the because Howard was also a super two, so that was uh, he got four arbitration trips, and in those four years of arbitration, Howard got 64 million. Uh, since Trout would not have been a super two, it's it's almost impossible that he would have gotten. It's not impossible. It was unlikely he would have gotten more than Howard did for the four for the years the for the four arbitration years. But I think it's not impossible to see him getting close to 60 million had he not signed this deal. Right. And so so what we have then is Trout selling some free agent years. Three free agent years, yeah. For roughly if you say if 80 you, to 90 million. 80 90 million. Yeah. And whereas his oh, oh, we have some We are being kicked out of the dining room. Okay. Pause. <laughs> we're going to we're going to pause we're we're being too loud. Yes. Yeah, okay, too loud. No, the wife is sleeping. Too late, I think, right. Um, the basement? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. All right, now we're down in, uh, we're down in the basement. We've been re- re- removed by my wife who is <laughs> trying to sleep. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, oh. here comes the dog. <laughs> uh, the listener should be aware of what's happening. The, the dog has, uh, <laughs> climbed over the back of Carson's head to yeah. lick his ears. Yeah. Oh yeah, so we were talking about the, the value of those free agent yeah, he sold three free agent years for, depending on if you believe my estimates, somewhere between 80 and $90 million. Right. And we would say that if he were on the open market? The, he would get a lot more. Okay. Right. <laughs> now, here's the thing I want to ask you about, though. You, you, you said, I think, I don't know if you said it in your post or if you just responded to, um, to people via Twitter uh, with this remark. You said that even if he, you said like even if he broke both ACLs yeah. or tore both ACLs, right. his arms fell off or something. Right. He'd still make a bunch of money in arbitration. Correct. And I'm curious as to why is that? So I think this is one of the things – this is the the argument that I would disagree with the most vehemently when people are supporting the idea of Trout signing this deal. And to be fair, Trout can do whatever he wants. I have no problem with Mike Trout taking $140 million and just being happy with it. That's a lot of money, more than he'll ever need. Right. Um, from a market standpoint, he left a lot of money on the table. People argue that this deal makes sense from a market standpoint because – the tremendous risk Trout was taking of getting nothing. That is wrong. That's just straight up wrong. He's already guaranteed a million dollars in salary for 2014. The Angels have already said they're going to pay him that. You have to think, what would it take for Mike Trout to be non-tendered by the Angels next year, right? Uh, basically, death is probably <laughs> the answer. Short, uh, if he has a pulse, yeah. there they would say, that's okay. That was a lost year. 
but we're going to keep you and hope that 2015 is better. But, because, but what is an, it, how much is an arbitrator going to give to... So I think uh, <laughs> in this case, uh, maybe an interesting comparison would be Giancarlo Stanton. Right? Okay. So his first couple of years in the majors were fantastic. He right. Was very good. Last year, he played 120 games. He hit 260 with like 20 home runs. He was okay. He wasn't terrible, but he was a two-win player who was nothing special. Mm-hmm. He made $8.5 million in his first year of arbitration. Settled. He didn't go to the case and fight for it. He settled with the Marlins for like eight, eight, eight to $8.5 eight million. Because the Marlins were like, oh. Because his previous track record, your, your arbitration award is not just based on your platform season. It's based on your entire career okay. up to that point. The platform season is certainly important, but your previous performance comes into play as well. Um so Trout's previous performances, finishing second in the MVP two years in a row, winning the Rookie of the Year, being, you know, a 330, 400, 550 guy, um, you know, making the all-star team, these would have gone in his favor. And he could have said, you know, I just missed the entire season, uh, but I'm still really good. And my career numbers are still far better than Giancarlo Stanton's, even with a missed year. Even if he hit 230 this year, right, his right, career right. numbers would be better. And so I think really the floor for Mike Trout in arbitration Next year is $10 million. If he didn't play this year, if he blew up on his knees, that's, he would have gotten something close to $10 million. Maybe it's 9 maybe it's 11 whatever. It's something close to $10 million. And then in the future, you say, okay, well, whatever, that's $10 million. This is still $140 million. I think you really have to consider um, what it would take to get the trout, the Angels to non-tender trout. It would, it just wouldn't happen. You, you don't non-tender a player of this stature. So, so, so the, one of the questions, right, is the concerns like life-changing money. Yeah. And he already he already had that. Is he, my already, he already had that. My my argument is he has passed the point at which if he injured himself he would not have made life changing money in baseball uh, because I believe that there's no real scenario besides maybe paralyzation uh, or something to that effect where the Angels would not have paid Trout. 25, 30, 40 million dollars during his arbitration years. Right. Just simply to see from if him he was showing up and playing 100 games and seeing if he could be the Mike Trout of old. People invoke Grady Sizemore, uh, and say, oh man, you know, if Grady Sizemore, if, if Trout goes the Grady Sizemore path, can you imagine how much money he would have lost? Uh, the Indians had not, had they not signed Sizemore to a long-term dealer in his contract, would not have non-tendered Grady Sizemore. A season after he was a seven and a half win player at age 24. They would have kept rolling him out there and hoping this was the year. The Mariners did this with Franklin Gutierrez. Like, teams will put faith in, you know, Mark Pryor keeps getting contracts. Rich Harden keeps getting contracts. People want to believe that a superstar talent can return to prior form. Right. And I think we see this with broken pitchers every winter. You find, you know, guys coming off Tommy John surgery get significant money because you're hoping that they're healthy. Because they're, they're the old guy. Yeah. All right. Now, you listen, you mentioned Grady Sizemore. One of the things we uh, we want to look at is the 2014 season. And honestly, I have zero ideas, zero good ideas about organizational principles or so far as this is concerned. I was thinking divisions. But that seems too uh, artificial. But Grady Sizemore is an interesting case in terms of looking at the 2014 season because um, he's going to be starting for a team that won the World Series last year. He is. And he's going to be starting over a prospect in Jackie Bradley who, despite not having produced excellent numbers at the major league level, um, is quite promising and was a, an option I think that it seemed the Red Sox were entirely satisfied with in terms of entering the season. Right. I think they... Were, would have been fine giving Jackie Bradley the center field job, at least in a sh- shared role with the rest of their outfield crew, uh, had Grady Sizemore not had an impressive spring. 
and the choice had at the end having to come down to we can have both Sizemore and Bradley if we keep Bradley in the minor leagues and, and give Sizemore a center field job, or we can only have Bradley and we can release Sizemore because he's not going to go to the minor leagues after just having a really good spring. Right, because someone would definitely pay him. Yeah, I mean, in Sizemore's uh, case, he he signed to try and make the Red Sox. He performed in a way in which he deserved to make the Red Sox. Uh, he would not have been happy going to AAA. Is there a ready example of a player who has been excellent uh, and then just dropped off the face of the earth, really? And then I'm thinking of like Eric Chavez maybe as like some example of this. Is he going to return to be Eric Chavez valuable? Uh, I'm not sure Eric Chavez ever returned to being Eric Chavez valuable, right? He just kind of right. What I mean, like the whatever, like the 2012 version of Eric Chavez, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I think. I, I would say an optimistic projection for Grady Sizemore this year is three wins. I think okay. that's like the top end. You can't expect him to play more than 120 games. Even the Red Sox aren't going to roll him out there every day. He's going to get significant days off in order to just keep him healthy. Even if he's playing well, mm. they're not going to play him seven days a week. So you say, okay, if he's a 100 to 120 game guy in a best case scenario, how good does he have to be to be a real, you know, high end player? In 100 games, you're going to be pretty special. I think, realistically, a guy coming off as many injuries as he is probably is not going to be a great defensive center fielder. Uh, there's some reason to think that maybe he wasn't even a great defensive center fielder earlier in his career. So if he's a minus defender and he's only playing 100 games, his upside is a little bit limited. Not that he can't help the Red Sox or be a, you know, a quality asset. Nothing wrong with getting a two- or three-win player. But I think anything above that is a little bit of a pipe dream. Um <clears throat> We we uh, we published you published this uh, Friday the staff editions for uh, from Fangraphs yeah and um, you uh, you are Dave Cameron you have the, those same Red Sox winning the AL East I do okay you have Detroit winning the Central I do what's uh, Detroit is roughly the same team uh, except for they're not really the same team at all well I mean but they have they got rid of a lot of players. Well, they have, Ken, but they have a very similar pitching staff, except for minus Fister. Doug Fister, yeah. Minus Doug Fister, who is also apparently going to be minus he's, Doug Fister. Well, yeah, well, the Nationals are also minus Doug Fister. Right, at least for a little while. At least for a little while. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's different in the sense that, okay, it's different in the sense that it's different, but, but they have, they have a bunch of the same players. They have some of the same players and they're still good. Yeah, they're so still good is the they're idea. Still, they're still good. The quality of the team has not changed that dramatically, even though the makeup of the team has. Uh, an improvement in terms of makeup? Well, I mean, then you're... I didn't mean makeup in terms of character. No, 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 I know. An improvement like in terms of the, the I sort think of... this year's team is just as good as last year's team. Okay. I, I would have maybe said even better if Jose Iglesias was not out for the year and replaced by Alex Gonzalez. Yeah. Uh, and Andy Dirks was not out for three months and replaced by... No one. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah. What what has happening with them in left the field? They're going to use Rajay Davis, I guess. He was going to be in a platoon. Now Rajay Davis is a regular everyday player. And they just don't have anybody else. And they so. will probably. I I can't imagine they will get through more than a couple of weeks without saying they have a prospect named Tyler Collins. They do. Who's not excellent? No. They can do better. They can, do I, better they can call the Cubs, and there's a really good match with the Cubs for with Scherholtz? Nate Scherholtz. It's basically the same thing as Andy Dirks and. Probably not that expensive. Uh, the Cubs are interested in acquiring young players. Shearholtz is in the last year of his deal before he's a free agent. This should there's a fit there. Okay. The um, you have uh, and I also have um, Anaheim, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, 
uh, winning the West. They were miserable last year. They were not very good, yes. But they were also, I guess, mi- surprisingly miserable. Yes, the they, idea. they were not supposed to be miserable. Right. Now, um, their cast is similar, I feel like. I mean, there's still Josh Hamilton. Yeah. There's still Mike Trout. There's still Albert Pools. Mm-hmm. Those are the big contracts. They also have C.J. Wilson and Jared Weaver. Um, Try to think of any uh, decidedly new acquisitions for them. Uh, Tyler Skaggs and Hector Santiago. Oh, yeah, that's right. They ended up uh, doing pretty well with that trade. Yeah, I mean, if if you like Tyler Skaggs, then you like that trade. If you don't like Tyler Skaggs, then they kind of gave away Mark Trumbo. Your opinion of that deal revolves around what you think Tyler Skaggs is. Well, for certain people, it also might revolve around what you think Mark Trumbo is. Right, because Mark, Mark Trumbo is not great, but he's a you know probably a league average major league player making a couple million dollars. Right, that's not super easy to find. Right, and you uh, and Hector Santiago was interesting as well, though. He was. I know, I know. Year. You just you, you, this doesn't come through, but your face, the eye roll, you made an eye roll. Ca- uh, yeah, Hector Santiago looked good last year. Right, he, but he he's a left hander who he, can throw, who can um, hit ninety three. He's not nothing. Right, he's not. A quality major league starter and a contender for me. Okay. He is an okay number five. Right. Maybe better in the bullpen. And Josh Hamilton. Yes. Uh, Confusing. So, so what, it was two years ago, right? Yeah. He, roughly the first half of the season. First two months of the season. First two months. Incredible. Of the right. We're incredible. Uh, incredible in both performance and process. Right. Because his process was miserable. It was the worst ever. And the thing that continued was not the performance. It was the process. It was the process. The process took over. In the next two months, he was atrocious. He was and then he finished the season okay. So he had okay. two great months, two terrible months, and two decent months. Right. And last season... He had six terrible months. He, he was not He was not good. He was bad the whole year. Right. Um, he was especially bad at the beginning. He got a little better. But right. he was he was bad. And, and a lot of that was... Um, from utilizing that same process. Process. He swings at anything. He is very easy to pitch to. Two years ago, that didn't matter so much for half of the year, uh, at least. I mean, and for most of his career, that hasn't mattered. This has always been true. His process has been getting worse. Uh, he was not always this much of a hack. Yeah, that's right. Right. Um, so did he just did he just become accustomed to the fact that he was talented, or it's sort of like, well, I'm probably talented enough to do all this. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a question of like. Is he deteriorating in process because his success has led him to believe that he doesn't need to even try? Or is he deteriorating in process because he's getting older? Or is he deteriorating in process as part of the learning experience that will help him realize, hey, now I've had some failures, i got to adjust. seems like most players in the major leagues not named Mike Crowder, Miguel Cabrera's even had some rough years, down years for him anyway, have gone through some form of failure. Maybe this is the form of failure Josh Hamilton needed to say, like, maybe I should stop being so stubborn. Right. I know that in the projections, maybe I've mentioned this elsewhere, but uh, in the projections, Josh Hamilton and right fielder Cole Calhoun, who has been... You know, nearly a non-prospect. Yeah. Um, they have the same win projection, and a lot of that. I mean, it same, says same offensive projection. Yeah, they're, is, they're projected to be very similar players. And it, and it says something about Josh Hamilton. I think it also says something about Cole Calhoun. He's right. actually not that bad. Cole Calhoun is an under was an underrated prospect who looks like a solid average major league player. Right. Josh Hamilton was an overrated major league player who looks like a solid average major league right, player. Right. 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 And and with still though, and well, we we you mentioned it with regard to Grady Sizemore. I think teams will teams are always willing to and as a as a fan 
or as an analyst, you're sort of always giving him – you're always aware of the sense that he could just go but crazy nice, at, yeah. Some, yeah, at some point. There's We've seen Josh Hamilton have great results with terrible process. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he still has terrible process doesn't mean he can't have great results. We've seen him do it. Right. It seems unlikely that he can do it again, not in Texas, a little bit older – uh, with pitchers knowing how to get him out. Okay. Uh, I've decided spontaneously that the way, the best way to do this is to look at, uh, who you have winning. Okay. Does yes. that seem reasonable? Let's only talk about the predictions that I have put my neck on the line for. Yeah. Is right. a... I don't think it's any shock that I don't have the Phillies making the playoffs. Okay, right. Uh, Tampa Bay, uh, oh, you actually, so here's interesting, and, and other people have done this too, but you have both of the wild card qualifiers. Uh, coming from the AL East. Correct. Just I think the, 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 AL East, the AL East this year is very good. Very good. The best division in baseball. Easily. Right. easily. Uh, Tampa Bay, in terms of a team, has many of the same players. They have the same team. They have basically the same they team. They brought almost everyone they back. Brought they, David, they, they brought David. Um, they brought James Loney back. Yes. They have Heath Bell now. Yes. Right. So they uh, they have made a few changes, but they are minor. And they have, they have Grant Balfour. Uh, they do have Grant Balfour, yes. They do have Grant Balfour. They almost didn't have Grant Balfour. They almost didn't, right. The Orioles had Grant Balfour for like a day. Right. And then they didn't. Right. And so, and then the Rays were like, well, do you want to... Right. Come come pitch here. We're okay with you. (laughs) Yeah, right. So yeah, the Rays have some new bullpen pieces. They don't have Fernando Rodney anymore. That's okay. They'll survive without him. Right. Um... And they have a, they have a, uh, a Will Myers is a year older. Yeah. And maybe he's going to be a year better. Yeah, you would expect improvement from a player of his pedigree and age. Right. Yeah. Um, Desmond Jennings, who's been, has he been mer- mercurial? I think he's been maybe disappointing relative to his prospect type. Right. But not disappointing in that he's been a good player. So right. if you thought he was going to be a superstar, you're probably disappointed with Desmond Jennings. If you thought, hey, most top 30 or top 20 prospects will be doing well to turn into three or four win players, then you're pretty happy with Desmond Jennings because that's what he is. And which uh, pitch-framing catchers will they be? They, they have all Tim. of the pitch-framing catchers. Okay. Jose Molina and Ryan Hannigan, two of the best. Molina is basically the king of this uh, category. Uh-huh. Hannigan is kind of a pretty good understudy. Okay, all right. Um, and and they still have David Price. It didn't necessarily look like at the end of 2013. Right. This is an unexpected turn of events, I think. Yeah. Even for David Price. I think he would have admitted he didn't expect to be here this year. I was uh, doing a little bit of work, and I don't know um, what sort of value it has. But I was um, – so, for example, um, for strikeouts, a good proxy is swinging strike rate. Uh, for walk rate, probably the best proxy we have is first strike rate. Or zone percentage. Or zone percentage. Yeah. 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 And then, and then, uh, for, you know, preventing home runs, ground ball rate is, that's always pretty yeah. good. Um, I was looking at, uh, David Price's numbers from last year. Uh, and if you were to sort of extrapolate these into like an XFIP type stat, uh, he actually, he was a different pitcher than I assumed he would be based on someone who throws as hard as he has in the past. He was worse. He was worse. That's, yeah. I think that's what you're trying he to say. He throws a lot of strikes. He throws a lot of strikes. And, and I did not expect, I mean, I guess you, I mean, he, and, and looking back on it, maybe I didn't really witness it in real time or understand it in real time, but he, he had less than a 4% walk rate. Yeah. He just pounds the zone now. Yeah. Yeah. And he throws hard, but he did not get the sort of swings and misses no. that I thought he might have. And so this may be a bit of a concern for, with regard to David Price, maybe it's the reason why the Rays would have liked to get rid of him. I don't think they wanted to get rid of him. I think they were willing to trade him for a massive package. No one was willing to give them that. 
because there is some real red flags with David Price. He went on the disabled list for the first time last year. His elbow hurt. That's okay. That's not great. Right. His strikeout rate went down pretty significantly. Uh, that's not great. There, if you believe in the pitch framing, uh, category of value of catchers, he's been pitching to guys who have been expanding the strike zone and getting him better results than he would have right. on other teams. So now you downgrade him further for Jose Molina and, and the guys in Tampa Bay. He's played in front of a very good defense that has utilized a ton of shifts. He has played in a pitcher's park. Uh, these are like a lot of factors that are beginning to point to David Price outside of Tampa Bay not being the David Price we've seen the last few years. Right, and the Rays, um, perhaps for that reason, would say, "Oh, yeah, if you do, you want David Price." With the idea to, that yeah. that a team hopefully would be uh, under the impression they're investing in the David Price of two years ago, two the, years. Cy, the Cy Young David Price. The Rays were trying to sell David Price Cy Young winner. Teams were willing to buy David Price, somewhat questionable number two starter. Right. Okay. Um, and uh, following David Price in the rotation is my is my pick for the AL Cy Young. Yeah. But only because I had to pick somebody. You're contrarian. Yeah, but he might have a better season than David Price. It's possible. It's not a crazy pick. Yeah. It's Alex a, Cobb. Yeah. Alex That's Cobb. the answer is Alex Cobb. Right. Alex Cobb. Uh, I think great changeup. Splitter. Splitter. Split what? change? Can we say split change? The guys in Tampa throw, they all throw the same pitch. It's either a split or a change. They all have the same grip, basically. Mm-hmm. Not, not exactly, but they're, it's the Tampa organizational downward pitch. Right. Whether you want to call it a split or a change up. He throws it well. He's very good at it. Yeah. And, uh, he appears to have above average command. Uh, yeah. He yeah. throws strikes. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Alex Cobb. He might he might win the Cy Young. Yeah. I think last year, if you, someone said Max Scherzer for Cy Young, it might have been seen the same way as Alex Scott. Maybe not quite as obscure. Well, because in the sense too that they are both behind guys. Correct. They're not the best. They were not seen as the best pitcher on their own team, and it's right. hard to win the Cy Young if there was a guy on your own team. Better and your than own team was better. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, that, and that's sort of how I was thinking about it. I think, um, which maybe was uh, the wrong way to think about it. Uh, and then you have you also have the Yankees too. I do have the Yankees. You have the Yankees. I like the Yankees offseason. I didn't love all their contracts, but in terms of talent added, I think they no one did better than them. Right. Well, they added a lot of talent. They added right. Brian McCann, Jacoby Ellsbury, and Masahiro Tanaka. Oh yeah, Masahiro Tanaka. Right. He's, he's, he's also another. And Dean Anna. And Dean Anna. Yeah. Can we get? We'll get to that in a moment. Um, Tanaka was bananas the other day against uh, the Marlins. Yes. In a Pretty minor league spring training game. Sure. It's a minor league team. He was very good. Right. But um, his 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 splitter. Is excellent. Is yeah. It looks like it's. I mean, he's going to be top five in the he, league immediately. He's, he's going to be very good. Right. He's going to be very good. And they have. Um, they actually have basically every spot in the rotation. There's an interesting quality to the guy, right? I mean, Hiroki Kuroda has been Hiroki Kuroda the last two, three years, right? I mean, or five years. Five he's, years. Right. He's, he's been very good since coming over. Right. Um, CC Sabathia, I think maybe was not as great last year, he was but. Not. But um, still reasons to be optimistic about him because he's... His fastball is gone, but he would not be the first pitcher who used to throw hard to learn how to pitch without his fastball. Right. But the other three guys, well, we said Tanaka. Ivan Nova... Pretty good. He was had a pretty strong season last year. Yeah, he came up as a ground ball only guy, and now he's a ground ball guy who gets strikeouts. Which so is a good sort of guy a to nice be. nice combination. Yeah. And, uh, and I think he's also had a pretty terrific spring. And then Michael Pineda is uh, healthy again. Well, maybe. <laughs> Michael Mineta's arm has not yet fallen off. Right. Uh, he's recovering from shoulder surgery. The evidence points to guys recovering from shoulder surgery 
not doing well and not sustaining performance for very long. I think that's a still a big question mark for the Yankees. But this, but but his spring has been decent. He's been fine. Yes, right. He does not throw. So when he came up and had success in Seattle, he had success because it was ninety eight and up in the zone. He doesn't do that anymore. So can he succeed with ninety two and a slider? Maybe against right-handers, probably against left-handers. We'll see. I guess we'll see. Well, that, and that was the concern about him from that rookie season, right? Correct. He didn't have a changeup. He basically got by on fastballs to lefties. And if your velocity goes away, that fastball is not as fun as it used to be. All right. You have Felix Hernandez as your Cy Young. I did. A... He's good. <laughs> I don't think that that's a controversial statement. Okay. Uh, but if someone else wanted, you wouldn't be shocked because these are always wrong. You, you always take the field over any individual candidate. Okay. Is there anyone else from the American League? Anything else from the American League you need to say? I find the battle for the second wild card interesting in that it seems to me that the national consensus is that the Royals are one of the five best teams in the American League. Really? And uh, I know John Heyman, for instance, picked them to uh, go to the World Series, maybe even win the World Series. It seems to me that there is some consensus that the Tigers are way down and the Royals are going to be the team to take their place. When I look at the AL Central, if there's a team that's going to make a run at the Central and, and a run at the second wild card, it's the Indians to me. I yeah. think the Indians are the better team uh, and the poised to make more of a run for that second playoff spot if it's going to be a non-Eastern team. Uh, obviously the A's and Rangers, you know, still contenders. I'm not trying to write off the West either, but if I think if we're going to say out of the central, what non-Tigers team do you think can make a run? I'll take the Indians over the Royals. So the Indians ended up with, with a really fantastic starting rotation by the end of last year. They did. With, I mean, to the point where Justin Masterson didn't even have to pitch in that rotation. Right. They moved them to the bullpen. Yeah. For them to be really good. Right. Um, they don't return all those guys. No, Jimenez and Casimir are left. And Jimenez and Casimir were both quite good. Especially in the second half. Yeah, especially. I mean, Jimenez in particular in the second half. Amazing in the second half. Casimir's uh, resurgence was a little unheralded, but he actually got better as the season went on. Did he? He got better as long. So they don't have those guys. They do have Corey Kluber. They do. Still, who was. The society. uh, Right? Yeah. But he was. And he was quite good last year. He was good, yeah. And um, they have Danny Salazar, who. Did not throw a ton of major league innings. So it was amazing when he did. Right. And it would be nice if he had, because he has a fastball and that split change. Yeah. In the the latter of which, well, they're both pretty good pitches because the fastball, he could throw it like 97. Yeah. 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 And then, and the split change is good. I suppose, uh, Orthodoxy would suggest that you'd like to have three serviceable pitches. I think, I think you want a breaking ball of some sort. Right. It doesn't have to be amazing, but you want to have some kind of breaking right. ball. Right. He does, he does have a slider. It should be said though that if you look on pitch FX, it's really hard to tell his – I mean, not really hard, but it's hard to tell a slider and his changeup apart. Right. So maybe he is throwing them differently, right. but the batter is not necessarily seeing what, something. What the batter sees is more important than what he says he's throwing. Yeah, right, exactly, yeah. at that point. And then uh, they're going with Zach McAllister and Carlos Carrasco. Yeah, not not as good. Okay. That's a downgrade. I mean, Carrasco has always been sort of enticing, right? He was always a prospect, but right. maybe an overrated one. Right. And he, but he, and he throws hard. Yeah, not as hard as he used to, but he throws in the 90s, and he has a changeup, and his results have been awful. Okay. Uh, allow us to look at the National League, where we find that Dave Cameron has selected... Uh, let's start out west, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, I, I went out on a limb with that one. Yeah, I think that we had... Well, we had something close to uniformity. With 30 of 31. Right, 30 uh, of 31. Took the, took the Dodgers. Um, and the one who didn't take the Dodgers to win the division had them winning the wild card. Uh, notably... 
Clayton Kershaw will begin the season on the DL. That's a little bit of a problem for the Dodgers. If this mm. turns into even a month where, I mean, that's a win. Like, Kershaw, if he's a six-win pitcher and you, you have six months in a season, every month lost is a win off your total. That's a guy you want to keep healthy. You want Clayton Kershaw on the mound as much as possible. Yeah. Don Mattingly, now Don Mattingly says that they are, the Dodgers are protecting, uh, protecting Clayton Kershaw from Clayton Kershaw. Because he would pitch through pain. He would. Which is a terrible idea. Right. For him. For, well, now that they gave him $215 million for all parties involved. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. Uh, but for his long-term health and yes. therefore, yeah. So the idea is that maybe the injury isn't so severe, but they can't trust Kershaw to um, not make it more severe. Yes, right. They can't trust Kershaw to not injure himself further by trying to pitch through an injury. Now, this is, um, obviously, it's a wealthy team. And it's a strong team. It's a team that has four serviceable outfielders. Uh, it's also a team that has Jock Peterson, one of baseball's better prospects, also an outfielder um, in in the minor leagues, that, and he will not be playing. It, it, so in some ways it has a, an embarrassment of riches. It is also a club that has... Sean Figgins. Sean Figgins. On the roster. Right, and and has D. Gordon starting at second base. Starting at second base. Yeah. Justin Sellers is a figures prominently. Right, Justin Sellers, and also Justin Turner. Oh, that's maybe the guy I meant. But Justin Sellers is also in the organization. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. they have they have bad white players named Justin. <laughs> right. Maybe they should trade for Justin Smoke. <laughs> they have a triumvirate. Yeah, they just have bad Justins. So that's a curious thing, right? And and we didn't necessarily treat that with the Yankees, but the Yankees have. Similarly strange deficiencies relative to a club that has strengths elsewhere. Right. So, for, so I should say for the Yankees, it's 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 Kelly Johnson at third and Brian Roberts at, at second. Right. For for the Dodgers, it's um, I mean I guess mostly mostly just second base with D. Gordon. Right. I think you could argue that maybe the back end of the rotation has some question marks with uh, Paul Mahomes and Josh Beckett. I mean these are not uh, uh, Beckett. You know he's paid a lot of money. He's not great anymore. Mahomes, they got for basically a million dollars because he was, the league didn't want him. Yeah, and it's still it's still difficult for us to figure that out. I mean, Mahomes a guy with huge platoon splits, okay. so some teams would look at him and say, "This is not a guy I want to start because you throw eight righties at him, and he's going to lit up like a Christmas tree." The nice thing is you can run into teams that don't have eight right-handed hitters they want to start. If you have four or five lefties in the lineup, he's going to do just fine. Um, but I think you can understand why teams don't love guys with big platoon splits as left-handed starters. Do you think that if Pummel Home got lit up like a list, uh, Christmas tree, that would be offensive to Los Angeles's Jewish population? Uh, probably. So yeah, that would be. Uh, that's a risk they're taking. They really need him to get lit up like a Hanukkah tree. Like a like a Hanukkah. Yeah. Well, like 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 a menorah. Uh, isn't there a Hanukkah tree? Is that not a thing? Maybe a bush. It <laughs> might be a Hanukkah bush. bush. That, that sounds better. It might be a Hanukkah bush, but yeah. I think the menorah is literally a thing you light. That's right. Could okay, have gone so lit up like a menorah. Like a menorah. But don't they get lit up slowly, like one day at a time? Right. So, so it'd be you like, don't want to get lit up like a menorah because that's a uh, long, slow that process. That would be a long, yeah. long, slow process. Right. Okay. Uh, Dave Cameron, uh, St. Louis in the Central. This is also nearly uniform. It looks 30 like. of 31 with the only team, person not predicting the division being Eno Saras. Probably drunk at the time. Let's yeah, be honest. Let's just be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, St. Louis is a very strong club. Correct. They, and they seem to have improved themselves insofar as they took Matt Carpenter from second. And moved him back to third. Yeah. Moved, moved him to third. Where is he now? Is he more comfortable third? He was a third base prospect coming up. Okay. They taught him to play second base last year. 
So that, yeah. And that was a good idea because they made it to the World Series. They worked out pretty well. Um, and so basically what they're doing in the infield is replacing David Freeze with Colton Wong. With Colton and, Wong. And Mark Ellis. They have both. Uh, Wong will be the starting second baseman, but Ellis is going to play some. He's, yeah, alright. And I guess that's a, uh, not a bad move in so far. A lot of David Freeze's, um, value is tied to his ba- BABIPs. Yes, he's a high BABIP, moderate power, bad defense guy on the wrong side of 30. Right. With not great tools. He was right. never considered an elite prospect. So when you have a guy who's was performance over tools and then the performance starts to slip, you wonder what's left. Right. So he might have a good season. Maybe. Um, I wouldn't count on it, but right, maybe. Right. He might have, if he does, he'll have that season with the Angels at Correct. this point. Yeah. The player whom – well, actually, I guess the Cardinals received a couple players in return. One, one primary. Right. One of them was Randall Grichuk. Right, who's not an awful prospect. But then also ta- taken ahead of Mike Trout, I believe. Oh, oh okay, they were selected yeah. back to back. The Angels had two picks. Right, right. It didn't matter which one they took. Right. But, but uh, kind of a fun trivia contest. And uh, not for Randall Grichuk, probably. Yeah, he might have been taken behind. I don't remember which one was taken which. I think you're right. I think it was paired Peter. with Mike Trout. So Peter Borges comes over though. Peter Borges was the reason the Cardinals made that trade. And the question is, will he stay healthy? Right, probably not. But he could play 120 games and be a three-win player in those 120 games. Right. He like well, we just talked about Grady Sizemore. Burgess is good enough to be a three-win player in 75 percent of the season. So, somewhat from his offense, but he, his defense is his defense is amazing. Right. He's but, very fast, and his offense is actually not bad. People look at Peter Burgess as like this five-nine guy who strikes out too much and assume he can't hit. His career ISO is like higher than David Freese's. He is. He hits for power. He's, I mean, some of this is doubles turning into triples and singles turning into doubles because he's fast. Right. But he legitimately can hit the ball. This is not a Luis Castillo situation. Right. Let's see. What's going on with their pitching staff then? They, they have good good arms. They have lots of good arms. Oh, yeah, that's right. They have too many good arms. They, have, they can't put them all in the yeah. rotation. Trevor Rosenthal and Carlos Martinez are going to pitch in the bullpen because there's no room for them in the rotation. And right. when Jaime Garcia comes back, uh, there might not be room for him either, depending on how Joe Kelly's pitching. Oh, yeah, that's right. So that was the choice, right? So there's, there's still Wainwright. He was there. Lance Lynn. Yeah. A kid named Michael Waka. You might have heard oh, of. Oh, yeah, Michael okay. Waka. Shelby Should... Miller is not dead, despite what you might have thought in October. Yes, right. He was he was um, absent. Yeah. Conspicuous by his Conspicuously absence. Conspicuously absent. Yeah. Um, he's, he's back. And then Joe Kelly, who throws really hard from the bullpen. And gets some ground balls. And is he going to do that in the rotation, though? I believe so. Okay. He will still get ground balls. The question will be how many bats he'll miss. And how he can do against left-handers. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's upside with Joe Kelly. He's not nothing. Okay. Yeah, I like him more than Hector Santiago. Hmm. Duly noted. Yeah. And Carlos Martinez, yeah, is going to be in that bullpen. And Carlos Martinez is notable because he has a very exciting arm. Yeah. But it has not necessarily translated. Not that he's pitched poorly, but it, relative to the amount of excitement, his numbers are not... They're not that great. Not that crazy. I like think Kevin Segrist, for example. Kevin Segrist has been very good. Yeah. As a left-hander who throws 99. Uh, yeah. Which is a nice thing to have. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the thing with Martinez is you see this kid come out of the minors throwing 100 and you assume like, wow, the Cardinals have done it again. They've turned another guy into a flame-throwing ace. Uh, you saw like Carlos Martinez getting a lot of high leverage innings in the postseason. Uh, he pitched well in the postseason? He, not really. I think if you look at it, his strikeout rates were not that great. He threw hard, but he threw straight and a little bit hittable. Yeah. He was fine. He wasn't bad. He wasn't uh, Heath Bell, but he was not Trevor Rosenthal either. Right. And Rosenthal doesn't really have any tricks. Rosenthal has a fastball and a curveball and a changeup. So, oh, those I, are tricks, I guess. Those are pretty good tricks. Right. I think Trevor Rosenthal has a better chance of starting than Carlos Martinez. I do. I'm probably in the minority on that. 
I think Rosenthal is maybe in danger of being so good as a closer that he'll never get moved back to the rotation. But I think of the two, I would bet on Rosenthal as a starter over Martinez. Okay. All right. Fair enough. That's what Dave Cameron says. Yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh is your – no, the Washington Nationals are in the East. They, they were also um, – Almost a consensus. 28 out of 31. 28 out of 31. Yeah. And they have Bryce Harper. He's okay. Yeah. Uh, our our pick for the MVP. Uh, in that five of our 31 authors picked him, and no one else in the NL got more than five picks. Right, so which reveals that maybe the NL has a, uh, a decent spread of talent. I think there are like 15 very good players in the National League, none of whom are appreciably better than the other 14. Right, okay. Uh, oh, this offseason, the Nationals participated in a very good trade. Yes. Uh, which netted them Doug Fister. Well, yes. Right now it's netted them an injured pitcher, but we're going to assume Doug Fister is not going to be injured forever. Right. Of course. So after after Strasburg and Gonzalez and the third guy. Jordan Zimmerman? Jordan Zimmerman, who throws a lot of strikes. Who may be the best of the bunch. Yeah, okay. Talk to some people. They will now have T- Tanner Roark. And Tanner T- Roark or Roark? Roark. You're going to go with Roark? T- well, I'm, I've been told that it's okay. Roark. So. And uh, Taylor Jordan. Taylor Jordan, who, your, your favorite. I maybe uh, not favorite. I'm intrigued by your your one of your boys. Yeah, and I enjoy his arm action. Yeah, have you seen Astro? Yeah, it's not it's not typical. No, he just puts his arm back there and just lets it lets it go. Let's it yeah, lets yeah. it hang out for a while. Yeah, um, and then uh, other major acquisitions for them, I don't think, except for the fact that people uh, may or may not be aware that Danny Espinosa is not their second baseman anymore. Well, he wasn't last year either. Well, he wasn't. He'd started the season as second Yeah, game. but he lost that. He lost early. it, yeah. To Anthony and they ran known was their second baseman for almost all of last year. And he's very – Yeah, I think he had 393 play appearances. Yeah, well, that's – That's most, two certain. Most two certain. of the right, season. Fine, fine. Fine. Yes. Anthony Rendon's quite good. He could be quite good. Yeah. He has upside. He okay. was not great last year, but he was, he showed interesting potential. It'll be interesting to see how Ryan Zimmerman plays third base. That's a significant question, yeah. Right, because he didn't answer his critics – no. Last year. He, yeah, the questions of whether Ryan Zimmerman can field the position, which didn't used to be a question at all, uh, are still, still remain. And I think while they committed to him as their third baseman and stuck with Adam LaRoche at first base, when there was some thought that maybe they would, you know, go get a third baseman and, and move Zimmerman to first base, I don't think that's completely off the table yet. I think if Zimmerman has a few uh, bad plays in April, the whispers will begin again. And if it's the all-star break and the... Well, Adam LaRoche isn't hitting, and, Adam, and Ryan Zimmerman's airmailing throws. It wouldn't be out of the question for them to go get a third baseman and move Zimmerman across the across the diamond. Pittsburgh for the wild card. Yeah, I mean that's an open race. There's a, I think you know, a bunch of good teams in the National League who are pretty close. But right. I, I took the Pirates because I I like them. <laughs> you allowed your uh, biases to show. Yeah, that was a homer pick from a guy right. who's been to Pittsburgh twice in his life. <laughs> yeah. Well, Pittsburgh's. Pittsburgh outfield is already interesting insofar as it contains incumbent MVP uh, Andrew McCutcheon. Yes. Um, contains Starling Marte, who had, what, like a four-and-a-half win season last year? Yes. And it also contains Jose Tabata. Uh, that's for, not the for, name. For a little while. <laughs> for a little while. Yeah. But it might contain... Um, Gregory Polanco. Gregory Polanco. Who could be quite good. Who could be quite good. And what are, what are the realistic... What's the, what's the sort of really realistic expectations for his promotion to the major leagues in terms of date? Well, uh, it's probably not the first three weeks of the season when the free agent window would be open for him to get enough sort of time to only be under club control for six years. Uh, the question is, will they bring him up around the beginning of May, or will they wait until the middle of June or later uh, to when the Super 2 deadline would potentially have passed? 
Um, there's a basically a six to seven week window in there uh, where they can hold him down even further and and not let him get arbitration four times. Right. Uh, you're also losing an extra two months of the season. If Tabata is not playing that well, maybe you want Polanco up in order to keep you in contention. If Tabata is playing pretty well, right. he's also increasing his own trade value, uh, giving your team some depth, giving Polanco some more seasoning. The best case scenario is that they can keep him down until July. Right. They might not be able to do that if he's tearing up AAA and Tabata's not hitting. Now, they also have uh, Travis Snyder. Who's terrible. Who's who Terrible. Who this is? This podcast will be Dave Cameron analyzes all terrible ho- Travis Snyder. All right, so, so Travis Snyder has nothing. Uh, he Here. he was supposed to be able to hit, and that was supposed to be the tool that carries him, despite a lack of other tools. He is the Jesus Montero of the National League. Okay, he's he, not he's not quite that bad, but he's not good. He, he no is, what is bat. it? Is it a question of contact? Or he does not hit for enough contact or enough power to justify the fact that he doesn't do anything else well. Uh, also, they have they also have. An interesting player in Jeff Decker. Yes. Who, Jeff Decker's had some not... I think he pronounces it Jeff, even though he spells it Jeff. No, really? I think it's Jeff. But okay. it's Jeff with an A, which is stupid. Fine, we'll just call him Decker. Yeah, Decker. Uh, Decker has some offensive tools, um, which include taking a lot of walks. Drawing a lot of walks. Yeah. That's his primary skill. That's the primary skill. Yeah. And he has played center field, although he, I yeah. don't think he really not, has. Not a major league center field. Yeah. yeah. But a uh, platoon between Tabata and... Decker might be interesting. It'd be you, interesting if you could just play Tabata every day. Right. That's probably a better idea. You think it'd be a better idea? Yeah, it's a better idea. Right. Fine. So this is Dave Cameron. I uh, think the interesting thing with Pittsburgh that you didn't address is their first base situation. So they theoretically have a platoon of Travis Ishikawa and Gabby uh, Sanchez. San, Gabby Sanchez. Yeah. It sounds like Gabby Sanchez is actually going to play more, even though he's the right-handed player. Because Gabby Sanchez was pretty good last year in a very limited role where he mostly faced left-handed pitching. But sometimes, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, you want to be careful when you assume that a player's performance against same-handed hit pitchers or opposite-handed pitchers won't carry over. And if Gabby Sanchez can crush left-handed pitching, which there's some evidence that he can, maybe he can do okay against right-handed pitching. And I think the Pirates are looking like they might be willing to find out. And so they didn't trade for Mike Davis or Mike Carper and any of these you know, moderate left-handed hitting first baseman. And it sounds like they're going to give Gabby Sanchez a chance to see what he can do in a regular role. So Gabby Sanchez has had regular roles before. He had one with the Marlins for a few years, yeah. Yeah. And he was pretty good. He won Rookie of the Year or finished high up in the Rookie of the Year one year. Yeah. And, well, yeah. And he's always been sort of a guy who makes a lot of contact yeah. and he's, he controls the play. He, just, he doesn't have typical, like, first base he's profile. Right-handed Casey Kochman. Yeah, that's probably fair. Maybe not quite as good defensively or decently. Yeah, maybe, maybe not quite as good as Kochman, but, you know, maybe a little faster, which, you know, everyone listening to the podcast is faster than Casey Kochman. Okay. So. The, um, the other wild card uh, in the National League, you had Atlanta. I did. Atlanta, Sands, Chris Medlin. And Brandon Beachy. And Brandon Beachy at this yeah, point. Right. Who's what, undergoing a second? Two Tommy Johns. In pretty room. For both of them. This is a second Tommy John for both pitchers. Yeah. That's not, that's not great. Not, not so great. Right. So their rotation is now reduced to a combination of Irvin Santana, Mike Miner. He's going to start the year on the DL, I believe. Mike Miner is? Yes. So do they have any pitchers? They have Aaron Harang. Oh boy. <laughs> they have Alex Wood. Oh, Alex Wood is interesting. Alex Wood is interesting. Oh, and Julio Tehran. The, Julio Tehran still exists. Right. Still pretty good. He's really good. And then David Hale, about whom I don't, I don't know that much. Uh, yeah, he's a kind of organizational filler. Okay. Who's pressed into service now as like a number four starter or something right. like this. Yeah. So of course, Tehran signed a big, uh, 
extension during the offseason. Yeah, $30 million. Yeah. Alex Wood has among the most curious mechanics you will see. Yeah, arms and legs going everywhere. Right. That's right. the way to describe Alex Wood. The, the product is usually pretty good at this point. The results have been good. Yeah. The results were also pretty good in the majors as a reliever and fine as a starting pitcher. He wasn't bad as a starter. Right. He was awesome as a reliever. Right. So it is a question of how well he would do as a 200-inning starter. Right, okay. Well, he, he's going to at least going to have to be a some number of innings starter at this point because they don't yeah. have any other. Correct. So yet they're still for you the wild card team. Yeah, because I think that offense is actually pretty good. Okay. I think you you look at Jason Hayward and Justin Upton, and uh, you know Andrelton Simmons can probably be expected to hit a little bit better than he did last year. And if Dan Ugla doesn't hit, they're going to have Tommy Listella, who could maybe hit a little bit. Yeah, they still have Freddie Freeman, and uh, I mean the loss of Brian McCann is going to hurt. The loss of Beachy and Medlin is going to hurt. Um, but I think that there's enough talent there, especially with Kimbrell at the back end of that bullpen. There's pieces there for the Braves to be a mid-80s win team, high high 80s to low 90s if everything goes well, which, you know, there isn't a National League team that isn't Washington, St. Louis, or L.A. that projects to be significantly better. With, with regard to Dan Ugla, yeah. what is sort of the best-case scenario? Well, all right, I guess the best-case scenario for Atlanta is – he hits at the beginning of the season, and then he continues to hit. He just hits all the time. Right. He just Every at-bat, he hits. But would they be better off if he was just miserable from the beginning? They, yeah, I think they don't want him to be okay. Like, moderate, not terrible for a couple of months could be bad because they could say, okay, well, Ugla has reclaimed his position. He's good enough. We're going to go forward with him. We have to pay him anyway. Yeah. And then he collapses in the second half of the season. And they just can't. And, they, and at that point, it's too late. Because the longer he's decent, the longer they'll probably let him get back to being decent if he starts. Correct. If you had two decent months, you're not going to just throw those away after a two-week slump. Right. If he starts with the two-week slump, he might not get those next two months. Okay. All right. Let's see. Oh, you have Yadier Molina as your MVP. Yeah. I think that... Uh, one of these years, Yadier Molina will be recognized for like almost a career achievement award. Okay. If the Cardinals run away with the NL Central, and it's not clear that Molina is the best player in the National League, but they have like six or seven guys that are really good, who all were kind of you know, Matt Holiday is very good, and Adam Wainwright. But you could make a case for all of these guys. The writers will eventually just confer and say we should give Molina an award one of these years. Yeah, right, and right. I think this could be the year where it's a pretty open field. Everyone just says Molina should win an MVP for what he's done. Okay. Well, the what have we? Do you think we've previewed the season? Sure. Yeah, we've recapped. It's been uh, almost an hour. That's a very long time. That's more than we usually do. Let's stop talking. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Dave Cameron. Thank you, Carson. We can play with your dog now for being a good house guest. You think a decent house guest? I think you were a very good house guest. You yeah. you have uh, entertained my dog in such a way that she likes you more than us. Well, that's not entirely true. No, but, that is true. But she we play... comes inside now and immediately looks for you. When we came home from dinner tonight, I came in. I let her out of her crate. She immediately went to the door knowing that there were more people coming in. Yeah. My wife was standing at the door. Liberty went around my wife to say hi to you. Well, I enjoy your dog. Your dog is real sweetie. I think that's obvious. She is great. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Dave Cameron. That's Dave Cameron, managing editor. Thank you, guys. I'm Carson Stooley. This has been a serviceable edition. We'll see how it works out. Yeah, this is the Dan Uglo. Thank you, Sadio. Oh, thank you, Sadio. All right.